Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Thursday, August 5th, 2021. This is the Mike Abadir Show, and I am Mike Abadir. You'll be joined today by Pop DiBiase, uh, radio show host, boxing commentator, talks all things sports, horsing around, horse racing, show, and everything else. But before we get to Pop, Gino may chime in sometime during the hour. So for all you Gino fans, just stay tuned. For now, you got me, Mike Abadir. So let's get right to it. A lot going on, as Gino always points out, in the world of sports. The Olympic Games. Very curious to hear if all of our listeners are super tuned into the Olympics or tuning out the Olympics. I kind of have mixed feelings about the Olympic Games this year. Um, But I'm just not sensing that there is a mad rush for the televisions. And a part of the problem is that NBC is showing these games on tape delay. uh, So you can find out the results before you even watch them. And that really takes the steam out of things quite a bit. Also, this week, NFL training camps are in full steam ahead mode. We got the NFL Hall of Fame game coming up. For those on Twitter who see me tweet out the show promo, that there is one of my favorite players, and I'm sure it's Pops as well, one of Pops's favorites, at least Charles Woodson. Congrats to him. He's going to be inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame. So you got the uh, Hall of Fame game coming up in a couple of days here on Thursday. Um, that game is actually between the Cowboys and the Steelers, I believe. Um, but we got a whole slew of games for week one. Uh, not so interested in the matchups, more interested in how certain players perform that are fighting for roster spots. MLB is in full swing as well. We just had the trade deadline last week, so we'll talk a little bit about some of the best trades that have happened uh, over the last uh, seven days or so and what it means for each of the clubs. So just set the show at the top here. Let's get to it. Let's bring in the man the myth, the legend, radio show host, handicapper of all sports, horse racing expert, boxing, you name it, he covers it. Hardest working man in sports radio right now is probably Pop DiBiase. Pop, what's going on, brother? What's up, brother? What's going on, man? Just chilling, watching some Del Mar and stuff, and you know, I watched a little bit of Olympics earlier, and um, I had to cut off uh, the 50K uh, walking uh, situation. Walk marathon, I don't know if you were watching that, Mike, but, yeah, it was pretty bad. Now, is that sarcastic that it's a walk marathon? No, like, literally, it was a 50K walk, speed walking situation. That, that made the Olympic Games medal. this year. Yeah, that's a part of the So that made, that made the Olympic Games this year, yet Power walk. they axed baseball for, what, like three or four Olympics in a row, but they're bringing in fast 
pace walking that grandmas do at the mall in the air conditioned, but yes. they're just doing this outdoor for the very, very rugged, rugged climate challenges of fast walking. Is that kind of right? Yes. I saw them dumping whole water bottles on themselves as they were walking through. It was like the, the marathon, but walking. <laughs> How do you train yeah, right. for that? And I'm talking about you, you not walk walking, your dog? walking. I'm talking about like walking like I need to go to the bathroom walking. <laughs> How do you train for that? Let you go stop. walk your dog? Yeah. This wasn't even walk your dog. This is, dude, I'm, look, I just ate this uh, oatmeal berry butch blast for breakfast, and I really, really got to go. Got to go. Got to go. Yeah. Wow, that's unbelievable, man. So that hey, that's that's your Olympic update for the 2020 games that are being played in 2021. There you have it. That is a full roundup of the Olympics. Uh, all kidding aside, it seems like what would have been the biggest storylines has fallen flat. Starting, of course with the two biggies, two Americans who are young and talented and doing a whole heck of a lot in the world of tennis and gymnastics, respectively. And we were hoping to see some gold medals and some records being broken and, and that type of thing, but we didn't get it, Pop. Well, well, pretty much. I know I don't even want to talk about it because the thing is, I know that it seems like basketball will probably take care of their business at the end of the day. They needed the motivation. But I know that it's a touchy subject with what you were mentioning because, you know, you guys expected, uh, be, a lot of people expected Mrs. Biles to get her medal on and all that good stuff. And, you know, um, I'm thinking Osaka, I thought she was representing for Japan because that's what she did when she won Wimbledon or the U.S. Open when she uh, played Serena. So I thought she was still going to be, uh, you know, representing for the country she always represents for. And, um, you know, pretty much I would say this at the end of the day, the pressure just got to both of those uh, ladies. And, um, you know, pretty much and we were expecting so much from them. But then we had to remember it's the Olympics as well, too. Everybody else is fighting and training just as hard as them. And, you know, it's always just a big ad pool a big, it's a big, you know, you know what it is, Mike. It's just a big, it's a big ad pool. They're trying to make sure that, okay, oh, look, we're going to put all of our baskets, we're going to put all of our eggs in this basket right here, and let's see how it checks out. You know what I mean? But this person is supposed to win, and if they don't win, it's going to be the worst thing ever and the worst thing that has ever happened, right? And I just think that it's absolutely idiotic to be that honest with you. I'm glad they showed up. They put in a lot of effort, but this was a weird Olympic Games because there was no crowd there, and these people really play very well off a of crowd. So that's my two cents on that, Mike. No, I think you make a lot of sense, and putting all the eggs in uh, in a basket or two probably isn't the smart thing, smartest thing to do. Uh, look, NBC was dealt a very, very difficult assignment because there are no fans in attendance. So now if you got no fans in attendance... Your star players have bow, bowed out. Uh, that that those are tough events to cover. 
you know, I can't even imagine trying to cover this fast-paced walking crap. But a lot of the sports in the Olympics, <laughs> let's face it, we only even think about them every four years. You know, even mainstream stuff that's conducted in high school, like track and field and stuff like that, they're great. And I recommend that any athlete uh, participate in track and learn how to run the proper way. And uh, it's great for conditioning and everything. But I mean, I remember when Carl Lewis was uh, a, a big star here in America and setting records. Every once in a while, they'd actually broadcast, like, I think it was called the SNW um, relays or something like that. And people would tune in a little bit. It was usually right before tr uh, spring training in baseball. So people were kind of like hungry for some kind of sports because the Super Bowl is over and there's not a lot going on outside of the NBA. And uh, there was a few times where people tuned in for, for Carl Lewis. I do remember that. But for the most part, people aren't tuning into track and field except for every four years, right? Who the heck ever watches equestrian, right? I mean, a lot of these sports, or how about diving? I don't think I've ever seen a dive outside of my pool or the Olympics. Right. So, you know, they're, they're, they're dealt a, a tough hand for sure. Um, and then the other thing, too, is you don't necessarily get all the stars in some of the team stuff. You know, like in soccer, you know, a lot of the guys are not participating for their, you know, representing their countries because they're getting paid the big bucks from their clubs back in Europe. Right. So I don't want to jeopardize that. Uh, how about like right now, even the USA team USA has been playing in the Gold Cup with all their stars. None of those guys went to the Olympics. So that kind of tells you something. How about MLB? There's there are no active MLB players. That are participating on the Olympic team pop. So you have some minor leaguers and some college stars on the Olympic baseball team for America. Which, by the way, is is usually the case, and that's why typically Cuba is the favorite to win the Olympics most of the time in baseball. So I don't want to belabor the point. I just think that the uh, the Olympics this year just uh, overall a dud. Well, I'll be honest with you, Mike. I think the last few have been duds. To be honest with you, twenty sixteen in Rio wasn't been to entertain me. Twenty twelve was whatever. And I just think because I think I'm over it. That's the whole thing. And um, I don't even care to watch the uh, Olympic basketball team. And basketball is absolutely my favorite sport. But it's like, okay, it's the same movie every time. And, you know, it did have a little bit of theater in the beginning. But then I even I told myself, they'll get over this and they'll just do the, do, do the, do the formal thing. You know, the formful thing, as we said, the racetrack, when you know everything's pretty much predictable. And um, that's what I'm looking at here with the Olympics as well, too. And I feel like it's a big political cash grab as well, too. You know what I mean? They want to suck you in. They want to get you all fired up and mad about everything. If America doesn't win, we're mad. You know what I mean? And we're not even looking at the fact that, hey, you know what? They weren't on their best today, but this other entity was on their best today. I think the, the one sport, and I haven't watched it, I think I could say a cumulative of 30 minutes probably of the Olympics. But I think the one sport that's been entertaining me the most is uh, volleyball. And it's women's volleyball at that, too. And I tell myself, wow, this would be a such a marketable sport 
in any in America right now for women if they were to say let's have a professional women's volleyball league and I'm not saying this in a sense to where you know there's a lot of good looking women no they're very talented at what they do as well too and they 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 have an exciting sport that a lot of people can get into because it's back and forth back and forth back and forth it reminded me of uh, some good fast break basketball in a sense you know what I mean so I liked it and I think that that's something maybe they could look into to uh, maybe uh, develop a little bit more, Mike. You know what? That's actually a really good point uh, about volleyball. It, it, it is exciting. It's fast-paced. Here's what I'll tell you. If any of the Olympic organizers out there are listening, or better yet, any entrepreneurs and businessmen or women here in America are listening and want to explore starting a new league, so to speak, I think you're on to something, Pop. What I would do is I wouldn't make it like a 162-game season or nothing like that. I would almost make it more like a March Madness. How about like a March Madness-type tournament for volleyball? It's just three weeks out of the year. It's madness. It's... Like an exclusive short horse racing meet. If Saratoga was year-round or Del Mar was year-round, it wouldn't be as cool, right? But people look forward to the middle of July for those boutique meets like Del Mar, like Saratoga. If they approached it like that and not get too greedy and say we have to get 162 games in and all that kind of stuff, the only sport that could do that is baseball. And the only reason they could do it is because of these compilation of statistics, right? You pile up stats. Everybody knows how many home runs you're supposed to have in a 162-game season to be considered an all-star year position. These are things that are time-tested over, you know, a century, and uh, people dig it, and that's not going to change. But any other sport, short and sweet, NFL, short and sweet, 16-game season, boom, in and out, right? Uh, volleyball, if they did that, mm-hmm. man, I think you're absolutely onto something. I think that would be fantastic. Uh, let's close out the Olympics because uh, we've actually wasted a lot of time on something that we both agree uh, is is not so exciting. And uh, it's kind of funny because when that happens, sometimes you end up sp- spending more time talking about why you don't like it than the actual games themselves. Uh, but we could close out with this. Uh, just a medal count. No surprise here. Typically, the top three are going to be like the U.S., China, and uh, Russia. It's exactly what it is this year. U.S. has 91 medals overall, China 74, Russia 58. Uh, The top five is rounded out by uh, Great Britain and Japan, the host nation, of course. And then some usual suspects are within the top 10. You expect to see maybe like an Australia, an Italy, a Germany, a France. That's exactly who rounds out the top 10. Uh, maybe some upsets would be Canada. It's kind of far down the list, unfortunately for them. Uh, Korea, who's, you know, they've got a fair number of athletes. Uh, and Brazil and Spain, they're kind of down on the ladder, and that's probably unfortunate. Um, I know Jamaica's got a ton of great athletes. Obviously, we know the, the, uh, the fastest man on earth, uh, but Jamaica isn't doing so hot as well. So that is... Our version of the Olympic Roundup, which is more along the lines of trashing the Olympics, uh, even though we're rooting for it, we're rooting for these athletes, and I'm a big fan of what they can do. 
But overall, just the way it's marketed, presented, put together, and like you said, it's got some political stench to it and all that kind of stuff. Um, not for me this time around. So uh, with that said, Pop, before we take a commercial break, I did want to mention one thing. I didn't know this, and I'm not into like the gossip type stuff, um, but apparently the uh, boyfriend of Simone Biles, the uh, fantastic gymnast that we were just talking about, he plays on the Houston Texans. Did you know that? Hmm. Yeah, I didn't I know, know that, that either. Yeah, so I learned something new. Apparently, he was, you know, uh, up. He was quoted as saying that he was sick to his stomach, um, seeing what happened with her. And I don't blame him. But uh, that's kind of in, an interesting contrast, right? Because gymnasts are so small, and typically NFL guys are pretty big dudes. So uh, physically, uh, it's uh, it's an interesting combination. Uh, but uh, the Texans player's name is Jonathan Owens, and uh, I don't know exactly his size, but he's a safety, so he's probably what, like six to two twenty-five, something like that. Uh, I could I could pull it up, but um, actually, he's uh, wow, he's five eleven, Bob, five eleven, two ten. Yeah, there you go, it's Jonathan like Owens. Props to you, man. Good stuff, man. That's an athletic household. If you if you guys get married and have children, I think your kids are going to have some pretty good athletic genes. Well, yeah, we will see. Yep. So, <laughs> we will see. Right. Now we're gonna get to the good stuff, guys. I know that y'all want to talk NFL. NFL training camps are now, uh, you know, at full speed ahead. Everybody's uh, started their camps and, and reported, and we're already getting some drama. Already getting some storylines. We got the Hall of Fame game coming up uh, a, a bit later here, and. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial timeout, and we will set that game up, which actually starts in uh, 40 minutes. I had lost track of time, but uh, our live show here, 4 p.m. Pacific time, and the game is at 5 p.m. Pacific time, and you could see it on Fox, the regular Fox. So we'll take a quick commercial. No, we'll be back right after this. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. 
Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. So, Pop, um, more Hall of Famers worthy of mentioning in this uh class that's to be uh, inducted Troy Palomalu uh, Bill Cower coach Bill Cower and uh, coach Jimmy Johnson so some some pretty you know um, influential people during our time of being fans um, Palomalu was great man uh, former SC guy I mean this guy was kind of the heart and soul of that Steelers defense. You know, a lot of people, a lot of great players came in and out, like Joey Porter and uh, Harrison and guys like that. But Palomalo was kind of the mainstay, the, the constant. Kind of reminds me of maybe like a different type of players, but like how Ed Reed was anchoring the defense over there in Baltimore. And, of course, Ray Lewis. But uh, I always liked Troy Palomalo, even though I was never a Steelers fan, Pop. Well, I'm gonna tell you like this: Troy P is. I'm a Troy P guy. I could, I could, I could care less about the Steelers. I've always never liked the Steelers. But one thing about him, and I'm not big on USC either. But when he went to USC, it was different. That was the time to be alive. To be honest with you, and a lot of people always talk about the great team that destroyed Oklahoma. The uh, that destroyed Oklahoma the the season after Troy Troy left. But I always thought the team that lost that one 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 game at Cal that should have been the absolute national champion, I thought that that was one of USC's greatest seasons ever because when they play Iowa in that game, it was a no-doubt-about-it situation. Troy Palomuto was at the star of stars that night. And then he was able to transfer this to the NFL, and he became Bill Cowher's favorite player, period, that Bill Cowher ever coached. And it's just awesome to see that Troy was always a great player throughout through throughout it all. We didn't have to see him have this moment where okay he's struggling and he he can't do it anymore. When he felt that he wasn't able to be at his best of the best, he let it go. But he had done so much in the league; it it didn't matter what time he went. He had he had achieved everything that you need to achieve in football. And I think that he's one of those star players that. You just can never, ever forget about. Those were some great teams, most definitely. That was uh, that was when Carson Palmer was the quarterback, if I uh, if I'm not mistaken, right? Right. right. 
Yeah, I mean, right. they produced a lot of NFL guys. They were they were really good. And Carson Palmer's career is interesting, and we're not going to spend a lot of time about Carson Palmer, obviously, but, you know, he, he was kind of an all-world quarterback coming out, supposed to be a can't-miss prospect. And he had... He had some good seasons for Cincinnati. Uh, you know, if you look at his second year, he almost had a 68 completion percentage, 3,800 yards, 32 touchdowns. Um, you know, he, he kind of tailed off after that. His TDs dropped from 32 to 28 to 26 to three. Obviously, the year he had three, he had some injuries. But uh, you and I both know who revived and resurrected his career. When he got to Oakland, he wasn't great for the Raiders necessarily, but that's when he started turning things around. His second final season with the Raiders, he had 4,000 yards, and uh, that kind of reignited him. And after that, he had more 1,000-yard seasons after that for Arizona than he had when he was a youngster at any point in time. So that's your quick Carson Palmer note for the day. Probably the only Carson Palmer note for the rest of the year and beyond. So now that we, we've uh, established that Carson Palmer had a, a decent career, kind of underrated in a sense, uh, do you play the point spreads on preseason, Pop? For example, nope. tonight, the Pittsburgh Steelers are two-and-a-half-point favorites against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, it, it, to you, is that any more than just uh, betting on heads or tails? Yeah, I call that a 50-50 back. That's what I always call it. When I see two and a half on a spread, that's just telling me that pick a side. You know what I mean? So you might pay extra for one or you might get a little plus money for the other. But all in all, it's all just evaluation and fun, right? Cause, but Pretty it's still much. money, though, I mean, so you got to be serious about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. it's I, I probably pay more attention to preseason than uh, than most people. And that's because of the line of work I'm in. Typically speaking, when you've got clients in the NFL, uh, well, not typically, everybody is fighting for a job one way or another, right? And people might not realize this, but even the star players are fighting for a job in a variety of ways. Right, even if somebody's an established starter, but they're still fighting for jobs. If a player looks to have lost a step or has a bad attitude or something, we've seen star players get cut. We've seen players get released because, you know what, they just cost us too much money. Right? Uh, how about reps? Look at Ezekiel Elliott last year. Right. Who's the backup? Uh, Tony Pollard. Is that his name for the Cowboys? He ended up getting a lot of carries. Right. And, and those preseason games kind of set the tempo. Uh, and then obviously, and probably most importantly, the depth, depth in the NFL is what gets you to win ball games, Right. And special right. teams. Special teams and depth, they're most evaluated during the preseason games. You know? With all the injuries that happen in the league, you need to have a good running back two, running back three, wide receiver five, wide receiver six, tight end three, maybe even tight end four, 
obviously offensive linemen and same thing on the defensive side. And you're going to fill your roster with guys from your training camp. You're going to break, you're going to start camp with about 91 players and then you're going to uh, ax about 35% of them. And then uh, you, you can uh, kind of put away a few in, in uh, on the practice squad. And I'm, I'm, I'm uncertain about the numbers uh, because they changed for COVID purposes. So the, the, it was always active 53-man roster and a, a seven-player uh, practice squad. But I know that they've changed, they changed things last year, and I think they've changed things again this year. So I don't want to cite a number uh, and be mistaken about that. But the point is, they got to ax a lot of guys. And so uh, the better evaluation you're able to make, the better decision you're going to be able to, you know, make as well. And so you're talking about guys who don't get a lot of game time. This is the time where they're going to get game time. How does this all relate to what we're talking about? You want to put your money on that? I mean, these are good players, but a lot of them haven't played a game since college football. Right. And that's why, honestly, Mike, I never bet preseason. And I always, when people always ask me, why don't I do it? I say that there's no point. But if there is, say, a situation where, hey, a game might look a little good tonight and I maybe might have saw the, them the week before, I say, hey, that team played pretty good in the fourth quarter last week. Maybe we can do something with this. But, see, I know what you mean, Mike, because the first game, usually you're not going to get the starters out there in the first game. Starters going to play, run it, run it. They're going to run one drive and be on the sideline. Second game, most likely you're not going to get any starters at all. And then the third game is the dress rehearsal game. And so then you'll get a whole half of your favorite player and you'll see what they're all about. And they'll, they'll be in a vanilla situation as well, too. But with this only being three games this year, you know that you have to work fast. So the dress rehearsal is actually going to be the last game, it seems like, now nowadays. And, Mike, you know this as well, too. Most of these rosters are already made up by the time we get into uh, – preseason anyway but what happens is you got to have guys for the back end special teams all that good stuff and that's who's working for their spots right there is guys trying to make it those teams right there and maybe there's some position battles at smaller positions like fullback or something of that nature Mike you know what I mean uh, uh right guard or something of that nature yeah you guys are going to compete for a job and most likely the guy that loses that job is going to get cut but, you know, when you got the receivers, you know, you got a guy really has to splash as a receiver because most times those receiver cores are already made up. And they got to hope somebody maybe gets hurt at the top more. They, they, they don't want to hope anybody gets hurt. But, you know, a situation occurs where opportunity opens up. You know, and that's what I see all the time in preseason football as well, too. And I always say that the funnest games, the bet is, might be the final uh, game of preseason as well too because you got guys really out there trying to make the team see this is why we got pop dibiase on because he's good with this kind of analysis i think you hit on something that's pretty important for those of you who are gonna not heed the warning and play preseason action anyways because that's just how you roll uh i think i think you kind of nailed 
the analysis there when you're talking about if you've watched a team and you see that they've got players that are really competing hard in the fourth quarter, that their fourth quarter team is better than your opponent's fourth quarter team, maybe the play is a second half wager. Maybe it's a second half right. point spread. Usually those are pretty close in preseason anyways. You know, it might be a, a half, might be a one and a half, something like that. Whoever wins the second half is basically going to, you know, um, win you the wager. Or maybe an over. Maybe you know that this team has got a, you know, a pretty good passing quarterback from, you know, Washington State or something. And just is super, or like Texas Tech or one of those schools that airs it out 65 times a game anyways, you know. Um, so that might be the play there. So good stuff from you, Pop. Uh, really quickly, let's compare and contrast the two L.A. teams. And I'm bringing them up because, A, we are located in Los Angeles, California. But the other thing is that we covered the Chargers just the other day. Uh, and so they're fresh on my mind. And we're now on, what, year four of the Los Angeles Chargers? Is that correct? I think we're on year five, to be honest with you. Year five, okay. Because the Rams been to the playoffs three three out of the last five years. That's all I've been in Los Angeles. Okay. For so, me, I, I I would – how would you rank the L.A. teams overall? Because for me, it's really close between the Dodgers and the Lakers on top. Every time I'm close to saying it's the Lakers, then I'm like, well, but you know what, man? There's a lot of Dodger fans, too. It's really close. But then after that, that's where it gets interesting. You know, where do you put the L.A. Kings? Where do you put the Angels? Where do you put the Rams? Where do you put the Chargers? How do you kind of rate the Los Angeles teams? Well, this is fun. Michael, I'm going to make you laugh right now because I put the Dodgers just a tad bit over the Lakers. Okay. Reason being is because the Dodgers play 162 games, and I've never seen the Dodgers lose 100 games in a season in my life. They're going to always somehow can somewhat compete, even when they're third, fourth place. The Dodgers will still be it still be an event to go to. The Lakers had nothing but stank for five straight years. And I'm I'm a bigger Laker fan than I am a Dodger fan. But I will tell you this, you can lose a lot of people the way the Lakers played the, throughout most of the 2010s, to be honest with you, Mike. And, but the fans stay pat, they stay hold, even though the Clippers were a very dominant force. The Clippers didn't miss the playoffs one time in the 2010s. That's incredible. And the Lakers missed it, I think, six times. Um, so, you know, the Clippers still didn't gain any ground, though. I would put the Dodgers first, slightly. Lakers second, even though, and Lakers are second because, just because I think the fan base goes back and forth too much sometimes. You know what I mean? When they're not doing very well, you know, you have a lot of people over there not in love with the Lakers. And then you have people who are in love with the Lakers and they're just absolutely crazy people. You know what I mean? So, you know, so it's a, it's a, it's a, cra- it's a, it's a, it's a fun, funny situation. And then third, I would say this, I can't put in, I'm going pro-wise, okay? So third, I would actually put up there in the group, 
crazy thing is when they play really good, they love them a lot. The LA Kings, you know, even though this is not a hockey town or anything like that, but when the Kings were very, very good, a lot of people love what the Kings are doing. And then that's when the Clippers come into play. And I would actually put the Angels over the Clippers when it comes to Southern California. And, um, you know, and I would actually uh, put the Clippers somewhere in that realm of right above the Ducks. And the Ducks would be probably coming dead last because they're, they're kind of new. And Anaheim, come on, you, we know that they're really servicing only Orange County in that situation as well, too. So, you know, and then, um, you know, I, the football teams, the Rams already had a, a hold here, so I should have put the Rams up there a little bit tied for that four spot with the Kings. They have a lot of loyalty, but I would say this, and this is going to sound crazy, Mike, but the Raiders play in Vegas, and they got more loyalty than the Chargers and the Rams combined, in my opinion, in the city of Los Angeles. I agree. I agree. To be that honest and I agree. And the Chargers having, still have a base in San Diego. Well, maybe. I know a lot of people really, really were turned off. And once they left, they're like, if you leave, we leave your camp. We're done with you guys. And, uh, you know, I think a big percentage of the San Diego fans are like, you know what? We're just going to focus on what we have. And those are the Padres and the Aztecs. The Chargers could go to hell. Um, the Chargers really uh, screwed the, the city of, uh, of San Diego. And, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of people down there that are kind of happy that not only are the Chargers not winning games, but they also really haven't been embraced by the city of Los Angeles in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I think your rankings are pretty spot on. Like I said, I had the kind of the, the Dodgers and the uh, Lakers as one and one a, um, I agree with you that the Kings are worthy of, uh, of of some preferential treatment there because you know even though the Santa Hockey Town Kings are a very very beloved team, um, and I'd have the Angels and the Clippers probably ahead of the Rams. Then I'd slot the Rams and the Chargers are down there with the Ducks in my opinion. I mean they're way down there. Actually, if we're going to include MLS. The two MLS teams, I'd have the Galaxy, <laughs> the Galaxy ahead of the Chargers. I mean, in all honesty, I think if you were to pull Los Angeles and the surrounding area, the greater Los Angeles area, I bet you there are more, especially because, you know, when you go east, there's a big Hispanic uh, uh, contingency out there. I bet you're going to have more. That say we like the Galaxy. If you had to pick one, we'd pick the Galaxy over the Chargers. So uh, now that includes, by the way, the Rams making it to the Super Bowl in the last couple of years. It includes the Chargers have a very exciting quarterback. So right after this commercial break, let's talk about each of the teams' chances in uh, each respective West Division, AFC and NFC. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We'll talk a little NFL and close out with some baseball. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? (laughs) 
At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Streaming live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Final segment here on the Mike Abadir Show. Joined alongside Pop DiBiase this week. Efforting to see if Gino can uh, come in for a few. He's got his hands full with a lot going on right now. Um, But Gino will be back in his seat next week for sure. Uh, We are talking about the L.A. teams, where they kind of stack up, how they rank. And we are now going to quickly talk about each of the teams' chances in their respective Western divisions. And I'll start with the Chargers. You know, obviously they're up against it because one playoff uh, spot is going to go to the Chiefs. I think we could all agree on that. Unless something disastrous happens to Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs are going to nail one of those playoff spots. Uh, I think this year is a um, do-or-die type season for the Raiders, although even though that's the prevalent thought at least, they got Gruden for, you know, another half decade. So... You know, uh, uh, do or die means what exactly? Because nobody's losing their job. They're paying Gruden way too much money. And I think they really like Gruden anyways. Uh, And he's a draw, let's face it. He's a guy that is a draw. He's probably one of the more well-known head coaches in the National Football League. And uh, he's beloved by the Raiders fan base. The older ones that were fans 20 years ago, the younger ones that are just becoming fans right now and everything in between. So uh, that leaves us with the Broncos. In my opinion, we're going to see Chiefs first. We're going to see the Raiders second. And then the battle for either third or fourth is going to be the Broncos and the Chargers. In my opinion, that means both of them miss the playoffs. I don't see those teams getting to the 10-win mark. What say you, Pop? Um, they had the Chargers at over under a nine. I think that's an overstatement because they're in love with the quarterback. They got a brand new coach. They got to adjust to a brand new system. 
Um, I think that the Chargers are trying to duplicate something what the Rams are doing on offense. You know what I mean? Trying to find have that re react type situation going on. And I think when when it all comes down to it, they're going to need about a year in the system with the new coach, with uh, Herbert as well, too. And then they need to go ahead and try to stack some things up a little bit as well, too, on other ends. they got to figure out what that defense is going to be. And so when you got some question marks and things like that, it's not always a bad thing. But rolling into this one, I think that the Chargers even know that they got about, they're about a year away from really, really making some real legit noise in the NFL once again. Yeah, I mean, look, we were talking about this the other day. I mean, they've got some skilled players, you know, uh, uh, receiver and running back. I don't know how much depth they have, but at least in terms of starters, you know, they've got some pretty good playmakers. Um, They got a a good tight end that they got from the Saints and Jared Cook. So they've got some skilled players. They've got some weapons. Uh, But here's what I'll say about the young quarterback. Let's see him do it again. Because how many quarterbacks have we seen over the last 10 years come out and have a good first season like an RG3 or like a Colin Kaepernick came off the bench and and replaced Alex Smith? Uh, And I could go on and on and on. Or even like a Carson Wentz, although his, uh, his kind of run actually lasted two years. Uh, and I know there were some injury issues and stuff like that, but even when he was playing healthy, you know, he looked like a deer in headlights uh, with the Eagles uh, to the extent that he went from MVP candidate to a guy they needed to get rid of. I just, I just like to see the young quarterback do it another time, do it a second time. You know, if he can replicate it a third time, then he's a pro bowler. But right now we're just sitting on one. So that to me is going to be the big wild card. The over-under being nine, I'm going under on that, Pop. I think that's a lock. And if I'm wrong, you guys can all tweet me, harass me, call me, uh, you know, bad handicapper or whatever you want. But nine is way too high for the San Diego, homeless, L.A. Chargers. Uh, Let's switch over to the NFC with the Rams. Because the Rams, on the other hand, they've got a team that's built to win. I don't know when's the last time I've ever seen starting quarterbacks get swapped. Obviously, I'm talking about Stafford Goff. I don't really know how that is going to work out. Uh, so I'm fascinated by it. I, I don't. Once again, I don't know. Has it ever happened where there's just a, a swap between starting quarterbacks between two franchises? If it has happened, last, I can't recall it. Last time I saw something like this happen, it was uh, Jake Cutler going to the Bears for uh, Kyle Orton to the Broncos. And but, Kyle Orton. Yeah, you're was, right. That That's a good example because that's probably the closest thing. Kyle Orton wasn't necessarily a bona fide starter, even though he started some games. Is that a fair statement? Right, but at that point in time, he was the Bears' starting quarterback. Okay. And they had some okay. confidence in him, and he took him to the playoffs as well, too. And um, what I can see here is what happens here is that there was a discord between uh, McVay and Goff. It just had to be. You know what I mean? There, there's some type of friction in, in, in that relationship. They can lie to us all day and say, oh, everything was all good. It was a team decision, blase, blase, blase. 
But this is just some. This is I. This is uh, just like you said earlier. We don't try to get on the show and gossip or anything like that. But when they were making their Super Bowl run, I don't know if you remember this, Mike. The Rams had a group text, and you know McVeigh has a very, very, very beautiful wife, fiance. I don't know if he's married her yet or not, but they were they're pretty. You know they've been together for a very long time. So pretty much the text message goes by and. Goff says, I would, you know, do some do some things to the coach's girlfriend. And I don't think that ever sat right with McVeigh since that point because it seemed like their relationship became more of a micromanage of coach and quarterback. And then it really melted over when he decided to say, you know what, even though I got a healthy quarterback here on the sideline, I'm still going to go ahead and start the backup who really has no experience at all, hasn't been leading this team the last four seasons, but I'm still going to go ahead and put the backup in here with the idea like he's going to be some Steve Young type or something like that. Backup gets hurt, what happens? Golf gets you to win. Then what happens the next week? Golf actually has you competing against the Packers. So what do you do? You go to the front office, and you know that Matt Stafford has already been told that he's probably not going to be around after next season. That's what they had already came to that agreement in Detroit. So what happens is is that, you know what, the Rams say, we're going to do it again. We're going to go all in, but we're going to go in reverse. Instead of moving up to get a draft pick, we're going to move up and get ourselves this quarterback so we don't have to get into the free agency frenzy of trying to get him to be on our team. We'll just go ahead and go get him now by giving up our starting quarterback that actually had better stats than him over the last three years. So, you know, at the end of the day, they're riverboat gambling. The Rams, they're, they're betting on winning a championship or arriving in a Super Bowl, playing in their own stadium, playing in the Super Bowl, Mike. And that's all what the Rams are on right now with that. Interesting stuff there. So when we're talking about the Rams and their chances, they're probably in the toughest division in the NFL. Seattle Seahawks, Arizona Cardinals are on the up. San Francisco 49ers still have a lot of their Super Bowl, Super Bowl core and a quarterback that they're really excited about. That's a really, really tough division, man. I mean, I think all four of those teams are better than the entire NFC East. Probably better than the majority of the NFC North outside of the Packers, maybe. I agree. And I think this that could be a fun division. Team, yeah. But once again, though, Arizona's going to be the one left out because they got to change their coach. It's that simple. Kingsbury is playing off the talent. It's, that, it's, it's just that simple. Kyler Murray, he, he played Kyler Murray. He wore Kyler Murray down last year. I, don't, I hope Kyler Murray returns and he's in form. You know, but I think he wore the kid down last year. Seattle has to be able to be a finisher. Seattle has been a front runner the last few seasons. And then, you know, like you just said, San Francisco, it all depends on if they're going to be healthy. If San Francisco's healthy, it might be lights out for the West, honestly. It don't matter who the quarterback is with them. It's just that the team is set up to be very, 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 very good, Mike. Oh, well, I'll tell you, man, their power running game is impressive. 
it, it was right. almost like when when their line was healthy, when when players were healthy, it didn't matter who they put in there. You were going to get 120 yards out of him and and 200 plus yards out of the uh, running back as a, as a committee. Uh, they were winning games old school style in a manner that I hadn't seen in the 2000s, really. I mean, it was a thing of, uh, of uh, I don't want to say a thing of beauty because I think that's overused and I think that's typically used for the passing game. But I think if you like good smash, smash mouth football, hard hitting defense and uh, power running game, Niners are about as closest the closest thing that you're going to find to football that was played in the sixties and the seventies, that's for sure. Uh, and so I agree with you. I think sometimes when you're the only one that runs an offense a certain way, um, you have defenses that are planning all year to stop the pass. And then they got to shift gears completely and uh, tr- try to stop this power running game advantage 49ers. Um, so great division. We'll have our NFL preview show coming up, but we wanted to kind of give it a little tease, start off with the L.A. teams. Let's stick with L.A. and uh, talk about the Dodgers for a quick moment or two before we wrap the show. What, what did you think about the Dodgers making a statement at the trade deadline and going after two really, really good star players in Scherzer and in Trey Turner, as well as some nice pieces like Duffy? Well, the Dodgers knew they had to go all in. It's that simple. You know, they all know the uh, how healthy Clayton is going to be. And when that opportunity arised to go get Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, there was a no doubt about a situation with that. What they're doing is they're helping players that have been sitting in their farm system as the top prospects for some years now, an opportunity to become professional major league baseball players and not sit at triple a for most of their career. So I think that everybody won in that situation. The nationals are looking to build upon a future over the next coming years. And the Dodgers want to go ahead and get as many championships as they can while they can. So I think the move was absolutely phenomenal. And I think it will pay off after what we saw with Scherzer did last night. I, I, I loved what I saw from him. I thought he did phenomenal. And as we close here, uh, Giants had a great comeback today. They were down 4-1 four, four to one in the ninth inning, came back and won a very exciting game. Uh, they knocked a couple of pitchers out of the game to uh, have that comeback win. Anyways, Pop, thank you so much for joining us today. Always love having you. To our listeners out there, thank you for tuning in. As always, without you, there's no show. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.